Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Piper's Dojo Audio Experience. Uh, today, I got a chance to sit down with Andy Fusco, who is, uh, you may know him as the co-host of the Chanterant podcast, but I know him as an extremely capable uh, teacher um, who I hire at Dojo U to do a really great job teaching members of the community. And of course, he has his own piping teaching business of his own. And we sit down and have a fun chat. We've uh, become pretty good friends. And hopefully uh, you enjoy some of our uh, insightful conversation. And uh, and we managed to keep it PG-13 as well. So unlike the Chanterant podcast, this might not end up on the FBI watch list. So without further ado, please enjoy this long form conversation with Andy Fusco. I do uh, minimal editing for background noise yeah um i put what do i do like it's like a setting inside of um what do i use audacity uh, no adobe edition mm-hmm. uh so it's a setting in there and it's called radio broadcast or something and there mm-hmm. actually is a podcast setting but i like the, the way the radio broadcast one sounds better <laughs> <laughs> We're recording, by the way, so you oh, can't, we are. You can't oh. swear anymore. Oh. This isn't like your podcast. Darn it. Where you start swearing when you turn on the recording. I was just going to ask you, do I need to go into a Foucault mode here? or? Well, I mean, no. If, <laughs> if, if you have to keep it PG-13. or my Foucault today? <laughs> you have to keep it PG-13 instead of like triple R, like the Chain Around oh, okay. podcast. Okay. Like a borderline um, FBI watch list. <laughs> uh, Chain Around. So, are, are you um, referring to people threatening to kill other people? Uh, that yeah. kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. Terrorism? Yeah. yeah, don't. Let's not. No terrorism? Okay. So, um, but anyway, radio broadcast setting. And then for this, my microphone, I usually have to cut out some of the low frequency. But mm-hmm. I love how your microphone sounds just like. This one on this. this yeah. Thing, yeah. It's like really it's good. got, and it's got, I mean, I'm not sure if it's technically like the best. Like, you know how photographers, they like, they like to just shoot in a flat profile so that they can add their own like color profiling to it. Right. Yeah. So like maybe this mic actually is better. And I just like, I'm, I'm just not like a scientist enough to, I don't know like what microphone actually has the best response or whatever, but that one definitely sounds sweet to me just with a couple of clicks. Yeah. And then this one, I just um, change the EQ a little bit and roll it down and try to get the two microphones to match just a little better mm-hmm. as far as like what they sound like. So this mic is like a nice, clear um, studio <clears throat> pair of speakers. Yeah. And that mic is like the Beats headphones of trying to listen to music sort of thing. It's like right. bass yeah. enthused. Well, I think this, I mean, this microphone is, I think, designed for like unidirectional live per, for performance type stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, it might make sense. It's got a little bit more bass response in it. This is one designed for gaming, and then but that one's a broadcast headset. Like, oh, it is. That's is designed it? for people who are like trying to broadcast the local high school football team. Oh, uh, gotcha. Kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, but I, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really like that for guests that aren't used to interacting with a microphone that they just put it on and they don't have to do anything else. Right. Exactly. It's like so, and it's also very portable. Like this is obviously considerably less portable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this noisier though? I think it's just a cable on my jacket. I think is the issue here. You know what I'm saying? You hear it? Now it's quiet. Yeah, now it is quiet. That is interesting. <laughs> um, I think 
I, I think you'd be surprised that you don't actually end up hearing it that much. Hearing all that, okay. Uh, Might have a very uh, sensitive ears, so. You know. Yeah, you do. You're very advanced. <laughs> so, um, this is my podcast, not your podcast. I know. Yours is looks equally as um, basic as ours. I mean, it's two microphones. Well, you guys don't even, you guys six. manage to screw it up, like, even further beyond like what I'm doing because I'm recording onto the zoom mm-hmm. and then just using that and Correct. you guys record onto the zoom and then you send it then you're like sending it to be recorded like straight into audacity or something from there no we don't no so we have a mixer so we send everything to the mixer and then in directly into the zoom we don't we don't Why? Uh, f- for audio um, balancing plus we use sound effects and stuff like that and then we also have guests via Skype so we have to mix it all together so that's yeah. balanced to us I would just do it through the Zoom though like this thing has a line in this little adapter mm-hmm. so you can just run it from your computer headphones oh, and then okay. uh, I, I, I guess I understand I, I'm sure you guys are and it also has a line out as well so you could theoretically run that into your computer it could work, although we got that stolen. So <laughs> we had it for yeah, a month, and then it got stolen. Now we're, we're I'm not caught one. up on the show. I presume you told the story of it on the show. I did, yes. Yeah, it was just just got stolen. <laughs> Left our bag in a dumb place that had all our stuff in it. That doesn't surprise me. When you drink heavily, that t- kind of thing tends to happen. Exactly was drinking in- involved? Oh, oh yeah. 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 Bag got left behind. Went back for it later. It was gone. That kind of thing. It wasn't my fault. I claim no responsibility for this one. Whose fault was it? Oh, definitely Josh. I blame definitely him for everything. Definitely Josh, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could have, if I was of a sound mind that day, I would have taken charge and taken it home with me, but I didn't. Right. And uh, so he took charge, and then I went to hell. <laughs> As these things usually usually go. Yes. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. When you do a drunken podcast, stupid stuff happens. Can you imagine? That is true. You get in trouble. You get shit stolen. Oops, sorry. I'm not supposed to swear. No, I think that's okay. <laughs> I think that's PG-13. Okay. You're allowed to do that. <laughs> Um, I think anyone who listens to your show will definitely know how hard note how hard you're trying right now. Oh yeah, it's super difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I'm just I'm just pretending I'm teaching right now. I'm like, although even then I, I it slips all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I uh, when I teach I swear sometimes. PG thirteen swear. Right. Yeah. 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 And then there's a lot of like, you know, for people who are religious, you know, a lot of the comparisons of myself to like the second coming of the Lord, <laughs> like that offends some people. It's not technically swearing, right. but I'm definitely using the Lord's name in vain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that definitely happens. But people are getting used to that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So my podcast is experiencing like, you know, exponential growth in listenership and is it? like, I mean, I think it's Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, <laughs> then me at this point, but how, wow. are, how's your podcast going? Ours is going great. Remarkably. Yeah. Like I am shocked. At like actually more people, you're picking up more listeners actually. Yeah. It's constantly. And then we get people like that listen and then go away for a while and then come back. You get a lot of that. And, um, it's cyclical, right? There's definitely times of year where people are like, they don't even want to listen to a drunken comedy podcast about bagpipes. Correct. Yeah. And I go through the same thing. There's podcasts that I listen to where I'm like, I'm not in the mood for this today. Like, and, yeah. I, and I won't listen to them for weeks and then I'll go back and just slam through a bunch of them. Can you put your finger on why that is or not? Cause I'm the same way, right? Like, uh, I sometimes love to listen to Tim Ferriss and then mm-hmm. like, but right, I haven't listened to him in like six months right now. Mm-hmm. It is cause it is kind of always the same, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, especially if they do it, very often or weekly or whatever it is it's 
I mean, there's not that much happening out there, <laughs> you know? And I only like Rogan. I only like Rogan when I know who he's talking to and I'm interested in what they have to say. Correct. Yeah. I don't ever listen to his like, you know, fighting ones. I'll listen to the ones that are like, but I get guests. it. Like I get that he has a fighting sure. audience no, and, I get then, that, yeah. and then there's definitely, but like, I don't listen to the show for him generally. Although I'm super, I super admire like his setup, but yeah, but I'm not like, oh, a new Joe Rogan podcast is on. Let's turn it on. Yeah, no, nothing like that. It's like <laughs> I only listen to Channerant when I'm on. And then I listen yeah, to that, it. a lot of people are like that. <laughs> they only listen when Andrew Douglas is on. Exactly. Oh, because because they need something to go to sleep at night. That's yeah, all. exactly. <laughs> For sure. Like, oh, a show that's going to keep me up. No, I, I definitely have a polarizing uh, uh, persona in that way. Like, I'm yeah. either going to put you to sleep immediately or i'm gonna fry your brain so hard that you can never sleep again right here's like, a great example of that here's yeah uh, all right like i'm I, ready i'm, I'm ready I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little <laughs> bit exposed right now but i'm ready i've been listening to your long form podcasts and for the most part i find them pretty good except for the pat sweet one no i actually like the pat sweet oh one. really yeah yeah because yeah. oh, okay. he's in the same boat i'm in so i get where he's coming gotcha. from like because i was literally like falling asleep as we were recording that i one. mean he's got that kind of voice but yeah <laughs> Yeah. But he's a super nice guy. I like him a lot. And he's in the same position. So I get, you know, his story is interesting to me. But the one that really got me was the Donald Lindsay one. So for the, I'd say the first 45 minutes to an hour, I was like, what, what the F are these guys talking about? Yeah. Right. Because you guys are going around and around and around about See, this like, book. Interestingly, like that was, that was like probably, uh, that was close to the most fun I've had on the podcast. But I have a lot of fun doing this actually. Oh, it's great fun doing like, podcasts. There's something yeah. about having a conversation and knowing that you can share it with potentially infinite people. Sure. Absolutely. Like, that's really fun. Yeah. But going back to Donald Lindsay, like, finally, like an hour in, you guys start to hit where it all comes together about pipe bands. Yeah. And it was like, at that point, it was magic to me. I thought it was great. I'm but like, would it have worked without the previous buildup? Probably not, because there's so much... Is in, is in the story. You That's know? the genius the of Donald Lindsay, it. though. Because yeah. like, I was like, who? I've never met him. I, yeah. I know of him from you, but I don't really know him. But see, I've known Donald for so long that, you know, I was fully aware that we were both on the same page. <laughs> Even though it took 45 minutes, we were both heading towards, a, like, not necessarily always agreement, but definitely the same kind of point. Like, right. Which I thought was great. And plus, yeah. you, had, you had a great joke in that one, too. Or I don't know if you... I'm sure you didn't mean it as a joke, but I thought it was hilarious about the... People having excuses about uh, having midterm in oh, no, three that, weeks or that something. That was a joke. That was. Um, <laughs> it wasn't as good. Were you there for the lick your face joke at the tuning clinic? I was there for that. That yeah. was like that was one of the best <laughs> jokes I've ever had. Probably. <laughs> you write that one down so you can use it again. Uh, no, but I'll remember it. It was really <laughs> memorable. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. I thought the uh, tuning clinic was pretty funny. Okay, so you have a polarizing so, personality. So what you're right? saying, what you're about to say, I'll just make it easy for you. Is okay. I'm a lot better than you realized I was. Well, I've seen you present before, yeah. but this is like my jam. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm in my element. I think you're pretty good at. It. I, I got you. Some where people like see where they get upset sometimes, but at me, yeah, yeah. But I, I always take everything you say as pretty much sarcasm, so I don't take anything seriously. Generally speaking, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and and it's like, yeah, because I'm very sarcastic and I'm very cutting with mm -hmm. my words. Like I, I think in order to learn, you have to break down how seriously you take yourself so you gotta like ego, I'm act, this is actually ego? a serious non-sarcastic mm -hmm. train of thought here so like i think to learn anything you have to like you have to uh, your guard has to be down does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah. That makes like sense, you, yeah. you can't take yourself too seriously and even at the most beginner levels 
Well, and then there are pipers who consider themselves advanced and are actually like glorified beginners. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that, obviously. Sure. Um, and uh, there's a lot of that, especially in piping. Like if you go to school, if you're in kindergarten, there's like none of that. Right. I think that's why little kids learn so fast. I think that's a big reason kids learn so fast is like that whole ego barrier oh, huge. is like destroyed. Well, people in the pipe band think I'm a dick too, but it's like, I can't teach you anything until you get over yourself. Correct. You know, and I do a lot of that when I teach. And I think that, uh, I think a criticism of some great pipers who are actually really good teachers, but like, they're not willing to go there. Like I'm willing to lose two customers if I can teach eight customers. If you can get eight people to do something. Yeah. If I can actually better. get yeah. eight people to learn, I'm, I'm willing to like, and, uh, you know, but I think that's definitely true. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately because mm -hmm. obviously there is a sizable contingent of people that either think I'm a dick or think I'm super full of myself, but like, that's one of the ways I can break you down. Right. If mm -hmm. I talk about how amazing I am face to face, mm -hmm. like, so like, like <laughs> so sarcastic that you can't tell if I'm being sarcastic or not, if I can really get that discomfort like flowing in you and then kind of like eventually bring it out around to the fact that I was joking and, and like you need to take things less seriously. Like if I can work that and figure out how to land that, that's how I'm actually going to get to you mm -hmm. and, and get you to realize, Oh, wait a second. You know, who's really good at this as well. <clears throat> and I um, give myself partial, but not total credit is that uh, Eric Olette is also actually is he really? very good at that. Yeah. He, he just seems pure arrogance. Pure. He seems that way. <laughs> and he is extremely arrogant, but, but all, but it's, uh, but it's well-founded arrogance. Sure. Like he's, he's definitely, in my opinion, like, you know, one of the best, uh, pipers period. Wow. You know, like that's just a fact. Um, a lot of that is because, uh, he spent so much time with me, right? <laughs> okay. A lot of that. You'll take credit for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the way he thinks about it and his clarity and by the, and, and like, we didn't really get a chance to hear him play very much because we were, uh, doing so much tuning this weekend, but he's a really great player as well. Mm -hmm. A grade light music player, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, but he's really good at that as well. Like he, he will break you down. You know, it's, it's, it's what happens when you have a teacher that really knows what they're talking about. But like, uh, piping can be so PC though, right? Oh, very much. Like you go teach a workshop and it's like, and it's like, Oh, we're teaching a workshop. Like we're just all going to tread very lightly and we're going to, we're going to like give you some interesting tidbits of information and we're all going to have a great time. And, um, and that was just so nice. Right. And that's not like, that's not even remote like remotely interesting to me mm -hmm. it's, it's also the re but it also is the reason that usually when a band hires me to come down for a workshop uh i don't they don't often like call me back <laughs> some bands do the good bands do in my opinion like the bands who yeah. are like oh my god please sir may i have another that kind of thing mm -hmm. you know because mm -hmm. like but it's because i'm going to be extremely direct and just kind of tell you the truth and like you know um, and that's the way that it is. Like, I'm interested in making you better. I think sometimes that some, for some, uh, bagpipe instructors that has to take a backseat to not offending anyone. Well, it depends on your business and how much you need it. I suppose there's some, I've, I've thought about a lot about that too. Like, so you said earlier, if you, you were willing to lose two students 
to make eight better. But what if you only had ten students? Would that two mean much more to you versus I the don't know. Like, I mean, size of the dojo is now? I think that's I think that's where like your business acumen comes in, right? Right. I mean, if if I actually make eight people better, they're going to turn that into sixteen for me. Right. But most people are not that forward thinking as instructors right. and i don't have the brand like i think i think that's diff i think it can be different for example like you know um i think jackley comes to mind mm-hmm. like he's so clearly the best player in the good Gaju- universe that's like <laughs> that's like several universes put together okay. like he's so clearly the best that um he doesn't need to crack very many eggs to make his omelets right sure so like i think that affords him like that super classy, like, and he's not, I don't think he's offending very many people when, when like he teaches you his method, but it's because like people are already so receptive to him and his brand. Like as soon as he walks into the room, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, I hope that came out as an extreme like compliment. And oh, like, yeah. that's like, I really admire that about Jack. Um, but for me, it's not necessarily so much the case. Like, uh, <clears throat> I have a lot to offer, but people aren't always convinced the moment I walk into the room. Like, oh, Andrew Douglas, I guess I've, this is the dojo guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually what I wanted to talk to you about today. You brought it around perfectly. Branding and how important it is to us. Yes. And so many different aspects of piping, whether it's teaching or um, you talked about it on a previous podcast about having a brand as a, as a mm. soloist. Or even a yes. band, yeah. and the only chance you're going to really pull off winning, generally, unless there's a weird outlier, is if your brand is strong and it's very familiar to whoever's judging. Right. But especially to us, like Pep- I, Pepsi or Coke. Right. What I'm is, a Pepsi guy for sure, hundred percent. Why not Coke? I like Pepsi's colors better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's not actually <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's probably not nothing to do actually with actually the drink, right? They're both just sugar water with fizz. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Coke and or I, Pepsi? Most people have an opinion. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Neither for me, but it's only because I'm like Cause a, you're healthy now. Uh, no, I'm a cro- <laughs> I'm a CrossFit like cult. Right. I'm a CrossFit cult member now. So oh, I was gonna say a different C word, but what a, a different word? You're one of those CrossFit. Oh yeah, <laughs> save that for your podcast. Uh, but yeah, no, I was I because as a uh, well, we were talking about this this weekend. Like you're just blessed with like the super like chiseled body, even though you like never work out. Correct. Yeah. I wouldn't say blessed, but anyways, I just have nice shoulders. That's why you were so successful on the, <laughs> on the cruise. Yeah, I know. Right. You Jesus. Just, the women were just like, Oh my God, who's that guy? It's I really think the you beer. Have a, you it's have really a dead, we, we have to try not to get too far off topic, but you have like a deadly combination of assets. Like, like, like your body Are you coming on to me right now. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like your body is legit. Uh-huh. Got the beard, but you're also extremely, you go, we're not, you go where the minority goes when you drink, which is to super happy land. Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. Like you are the happiest, uh, you are the happiest person un, under the influence of alcohol. Probably uh, ever. Maybe of all time. Yeah. It's weird. Um, and there's video evidence of this. Uh, like I have, yeah, <laughs> I think we, I don't know if I ever posted it, but there definitely is video evidence from the cruise. Yeah. For well, sure. I was posting videos of you to the internal, the internal chanter group. rant, um, <laughs> chat that we have. Yeah, because um, like you know, Big Rev and all, we're all kind of on there, you know, just like for when the, when you guys need guests, sometimes you message that yeah. internal chat and you're like, hey, uh, we need someone to come on this week, and then um, usually when no one answers, that's when you ask me to do it. Right, we're like, oh well, nobody else do it. I guess we got to get Andrew, but yeah, exactly. 
I guess we're going to have a sleepy time show. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I was posting videos in real time of you on the mm-hmm. cruise. It was pretty good. Anyway. Well, I remember that the next day. I don't remember it in the moment, obviously. But. So branding. Let's get back on topic. Yeah, so I was just, I think a lot about this. Uh, so thinking of like say Jack Lee's brand, like you bring it up, like he he's automatically got a way past your ego as soon as he walks in the room because you're so in awe of him. Most people in general. Yes. So even me, like if he walks into the room, I'm like, oh, there's Jack. Right. And like, oh, which is remarkable. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, but absolutely. it's true. It's true. Yeah. That's why we. Well, I don't want to say use him. I don't mean it in that way. But we've hired him to work with our band because. We have the worst group of ego people. Well, I'm sure everybody deals with this. It's probably not it's the every, worst. It's but, not just your band, yeah. <laughs> But it sure seems like it in the moment. But, like, the the hardest part of being a pipe major and an instructor for even solo people, whatever, is getting past themselves. It's, I saw it this weekend in the tuning clinic. For I see sure, it right? every, every band I've ever worked with. Every, right. It's, it's, and that's the hard part is figuring out each person's psychology and then trying to get past it. That's right. right. I think that's a great point. I mean, just a, uh, I mean, I'm a huge believer in ego. I think it's a great, like ego is a great, super essential element uh, to all humans in the right being happy situation. and successful. But, but yeah, like, but what, like, and I have a very large ego and mm-hmm. people accuse me of it all the time, but like one of the things that keeps me sane and confident, and I still know that I'm better than you not you specifically, yeah, but yeah. usually the people who criticize me, like it doesn't, and it used to bother me a lot, but then, you know, I've grown and learned that I do have a big ego, but in my, like in my experience, and I try to make sure this is the case, uh, it's built on actual real reality. Like, like I'm a good piper. I know this because like when I listen to myself play, obviously there's improvements that need to be made, but it actually sounds pretty good when I play. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, quote unquote bagpipe experts out there. And there's certainly a lot of bagpipe egos out there, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we saw some of them at the tuning clinic maybe, mm-hmm. and you have them in your band, but like when they fire up and start to play, what do you think? That doesn't mm. really sound that good, does it? <laughs> like it's not actually that good. So, so like I feel like when I, and I make sure this is a case when I play that I sound really good when I play, mm-hmm. uh, at least in my own opinion, I sound really good. Like I would want to turn that on and listen to it again. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like I make, I make sure I sound really good when I play, I make sure I actually know what I'm talking about, you know? And mm-hmm. I, and I tried and I do, I, what do we have? We have got like 3000, there's like 3000 recorded dojo U classes in our archive. Now it's like, I make sure that I practice what I'm saying and that I get better at it. And that what I'm saying is actually true and that it actually works. I think, I think there's a lot of teaching out there that, uh, is just like, uh, it's just people regurgitating a variety of other things that they've heard and they Mm -hmm. have no idea whether it actually works or not. Mm -hmm. Like I, um, I, I got upset and lashed out at our internal dojo, you chat. Because there's regurgitators of, not chat, uh, internal group on Dojo U. Oh, okay. yeah. I think it was yesterday because I was so tired from the tuning clinic and I was grumpy. And then like, <laughs> but I get tired of regurgitators in there that mm-hmm. don't actually know what they're talking about. Like somebody had, uh, some lady had her base get stuck in the stock because the hemp swelled up too much. Mm-hmm. And there are people on there who consider themselves experts as they, you know, sit behind their uh, keyboard 
and don't actually have to back up anything that they say. And they're like, oh, what you need to do here is blast a hairdryer on that and that'll fix a problem. <laughs> and like you're telling a perfectly nice lady who might not know any better, who might actually think you know what you're talking about. You're telling her to blast a hairdryer on her pipes who's like whose stock is like already under so much outward pressure mm-hmm. from a swollen stock to blast a hairdryer. And then the other guy was like, you, no, you should put it in the fridge. Don't do the hairdryer. <laughs> I'm not joking. This is real. And they're presenting themselves as knowing what they're talking about. And it's like, no, it doesn't work. Fall, like ego, that, that ego would be pretty easy to break down, but it would be pretty painful for that person because their ego is is built on false pretenses that aren't actually real. And that's the thing that, I think that's the thing we have so much of in in piping. Mm -hmm. Is like, it's too easy to build a false ego. Yeah, I used to call it, I noticed it when I started teaching, I used to call it grade four mentality, but you you teach people up to a certain point, they get into the grade four solos, they start to do a little bit decent, and then suddenly they know everything. That's right, yeah. And then eventually they kind of- I got third in grade four senior, (laughs) so you should listen to me. Exactly. And then they get up to say, maybe they make it into grade three or whatever, and then suddenly they are just hammered, right? Everything now becomes for real, and then Mm -hmm. people aren't sort of- uh, kid gloves yeah. with them anymore that's a big that's one of the it's one of the downsides to how they split up grade four junior and senior now mm-hmm. in uspba which they've done for a long time but one of the downsides is grade four seniors win and then they move up to grade three and then and then you're just delaying the the point at which they get beat pretty hard usually by kids correct um which is not you know it's all related right kids have by nature like almost zero ego correct uh, as yeah. they approach the learning process that's yeah. why you, like i can continually correct my daughter like when she has a grammatical error i mean i'm like you mean and she never gets offended by it yeah like you bring to that like you bring to that to school it's like nope we brought that to school and she's like oh that's interesting and then she's gonna keep saying bringed probably for a while but maybe eventually it'll catch on right uh, but it's no big deal because, of right. course, she doesn't know that much because she's just a kid. Right. And, like, you're also really, as a kid, you're really used to adults knowing more than you. Yeah. But in piping, it's, it's like, oh, I took third in grade four. <laughs> Who's this Andrew Douglas guy? It's like, okay, well, you know, um, I know more than you. It's okay. Let yeah. me teach you stuff. But they, they so much struggle with the fact that it's okay to not know something. Yeah. Especially and all, as adults. And I'm not trying to say I'm perfect, right? Like, like uh I'm always resistant when pipers that are better than me give me advice. I'm always, that's normal. I think that's human, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so even if Jack Lee came up to me and he'd be like, and I remember this has actually happened. Like I remember when we had Oren Moore, like came up to me one day and he's like, yeah, it sounds really nice, but your high A's are way too flat and crappy and you need to take, and like, um, I instantly got defensive and, Mm -hmm. oh, and, and like, I hated it, but like, you know, as an experienced learner and, and like somebody, you know, you don't have to like it, but you do have to listen to it and consider it. And like, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully in the moment you can, you can like, uh, relax the fact that you don't really like it and right. the fact that you're defensive. But I'm, you know, even in CrossFit, which I am definitely a, still a grade four level <laughs> CrossFitter, right? Right. Like I definitely, and, but like, but you get feedback cause I've been doing this three years now, bro. Have you really? Almost right. uh, like you'll get feedback on one of your lifts and you're like, ah, what are you talking about? This yeah. is stupid. You're wrong about that. But like, that's the CrossFit coach over there. Like yeah. certified ultra experienced. 
So like you don't, I don't necessarily like it, but you got to get over it because like that's that's false ego getting in the way, right? You know, if Eric Olette was in CrossFit, he'd be a pro by now, right? He probably would be in three years, yeah, for sure. <laughs> At least he would think he was. He was a CrossFitter though. <laughs> was he really? Yeah, he he's the guy that inspired me to get into it. And dude, he was a beast. Was he? Yeah, uh, but then. So that that was when he was like getting his PhD, dude. Oh. Total, you wouldn't believe. You probably wouldn't believe it. But then no, he he, he went back to, uh, or he got a like a super a super intense like eighty hour per week job. So right. so he's uh, he hasn't been on it. But one thing I noticed about Orrin Moore, at least the guys, the the core guys, why the hell are you guys all so tall? It's really interesting, isn't it? It's a weird coincidence. Do you think I'm? Every- do you think I'm tallest? Well, Keegan's got to be tallest, right? I don't know. Eric no, no, but tallest, like kind of like racist, but just with tall people. <laughs> it's occurred to me, like it's a weird consistency amongst you guys. Yeah. So I, I in Carl too. I mean, I don't know. Being tall allows it makes it a lot easier to talk down at people. I think that's what it is. Maybe that's why. You and that's guys... what Oren Moore was all about. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, Oren Moore was a great example of what what we're talking about, and uh, and, and I've been working with a CRC band. And it's very much the same way. Although I'm a little better with the delivery now. Like now that I understand more of why I'm doing what I'm doing, mm-hmm. it's easier to deliver it in a way that doesn't instantly make people run for the door. <laughs> like maybe right. it did in like, especially the first couple of or more years. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, but yeah, like I just go after that. Like I'm, uh, I'm intense. I go right after you. Like if you have, if you have like false ego stuff that's getting in the way of you listening to what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I'll just take it. I'll take it right to you with a like heavy dose of like sarcasm, <laughs> and uh, that's just my style, though. And like you know, the question is always: Should I change my style, or just like, or is that just who I am, and and I need to just go with it? Mm-hmm. Have you experimented with different styles? Yeah, like consciously. Yeah. Yeah. So have I. I've tried many different things. <laughs> you got to figure out, you know, I, I think, you know, your detractors are going to say you're a dick. Right. And that's, but they're your detractors. So if you listen to what they say, you're going to turn into something that's not you. Correct. And then you'll also be, you'll be running in a circle because they're always going to attract you no matter what you're doing. Yeah, so. it's like <laughs> everything I, I do, I, I am interested in criticism and I, I do like soak it in. But like one of the biggest things that sometimes people don't get is just because you have a criticism does not mean I'm going to change. Right. Like mm-hmm. I am going to take it into consideration and listen to what you have to say. But, uh, if ultimately, if I decide I still disagree with that criticism, then I'm not going to change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and that's a difficult thing. <laughs> I remember I had a conversation with a guy in Oren Moore one time <laughs> and, he, and he was like, so, how did it go? It was like, um, like, what's the plan for next year? Are you, are you, are you going to fix the problems that you have with your leadership? He said this to yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Like we were in the car ride on the way back and it was getting towards the end of the season. It's like, so for next year, are you going to like really fix some of these problems that you have with your leadership? And I thought about it for a minute and uh, this was def I was definitely younger, but I was like, I was like, well, definitely I'm, he's like, I'm definitely soaking everything in that people are saying to me for sure, man. Like, how about you? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, are you going to fix all of the problems you have with your followership? (laughs) 
he did not <laughs> like that at all. But it's totally a thing, right? It's oh, like, absolutely. Like it's a two-way street. So maybe there are things I need to fix, but there are always things we all need to fix. Sure. And usually, um, usually if somebody really hates your leadership, it has to do with the fact that they're uh, really not getting the whole followership thing. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Just yeah. like teaching and learning. Like it's, it, it, you have to be, there's a skill to learning and you have to be open, be a good student. It, we've, I'm sure you've dealt with bad students versus good students, the ones that argue, if you will, or fight your knowledge for whatever reason, mm-hmm. ego or whatever it is. Right. Uh, and it's the same thing in a band setting. Like the, the leader has hopefully some knowledge, <laughs> not all the time, but... But if their initial reaction is to, um, you know, put up a wall or whatever, then right. that, that's a follower issue. You know, yeah, you I need mean, good followers in a band to make it work. It has to be established, right? I mean, I think I think that pipe I think that pipe bands have that problem. It's like, why is the pipe major of your band the pipe major? Uh, and sometimes it's not that clear. Mm-hmm. And SFU is extremely clear. Yeah, you know, it's like, but people from the outside would often ask that question, like, and this is back in the day. Terry is, of course, retired now, but Mm -hmm. people would always ask that question, like, Jack Lee, isn't he like a better piper than Terry? Like, why isn't he the pipe major? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like the totally valid thought process. If you from the outside, from the outside, totally valid. Like, like in general, the best player is the pipe major of the band, but on the inside, it's like extraordinarily clear. Mm Um, and I won't go into it cause it's nobody's business really, but, <laughs> but like, it's just extraordinarily clear that like Terry has total magic. I wonder if it was a harder sell in the earlier days of SFU or not, um, as to like who should be, how did they know I that just don't know back then? Like when they first took, well, and moved to SFU or however they transitioned from, was it Victoria? Is that, is that where they came from? Um, well, they came, they were, a lot of them played in the city of Victoria band. Um, but then. But then, yeah, with my understanding is that it was actually the Port Moody Pipe Band, and Terry oh. Terry was pipe major of it already. But then they, you know, I think he asked Jack to come on. So I think at the beginning it was as simple as this is Terry is actually currently pipe here. major, yeah. and he asked Jack for some help. Maybe I don't know. It would be interesting to get into that someday on a long form podcast. Yeah, it would. But, uh, <laughs> but like, I think that might have been how it started. But then I think it. It, it actually clicked and it worked really well and that's just the way that it ended up being. So when you when you first went to SFU, well, you were a kid, so I don't know how much you would have thought about this kind of thing back then, but was it very was clear pretty, I was a pretty smart. I was a pretty smart kid. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, extremely smart. <laughs> were you well aware, was it immediately clear to you that If you Terry's just rolled your eyes, if you or whoever, anybody listening to this oh, just, just rolled their eyes at what I just said, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm, that's my style that I was talking about. Exactly the sarcasm he's referring to. I'm doing to. that on purpose. Yes. <laughs> but was it apparently like immediately clear to you that, oh, Terry's in charge here? Yeah, but I mean, I, I was such a fanboy that that was already, that was the, I felt that way probably before you walked in five years before I walked into the band. Oh, okay. Like, oh my God, as if he's so great, <laughs> Terry Lee's mad genius. Right. Yeah. And and I thought, you know, I feel that way about Jack still, but, but like in a different kind of, from a different angle, like he's just such a prolific player, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And a great teacher. Oh, for sure. He, he's interesting in the sense that, uh, he, he challenges Jack. people egos in a different way. Like he's fascinating to watch in the sense that like when people struggle, when he's working with our group and 
people you see it all the time, especially low level people, where they get flustered and then they think shit just oh, sorry <laughs> just goes downhill quick. Yeah, you know, they it just really falls apart once they start getting flustered. And he just has this way of like taking you out of that moment and like he'll just distract you from what's happening and talk about something else and kind of get into your mind a little bit yeah. and then bring you back to it and then suddenly you're For calm sure. again. Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. He's undoubtedly my number one teaching inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually an interesting question. Have you ever studied the art of teaching specifically versus the art of piping? Uh, I haven't studied it formally, no. Right. Uh, but I'm I um, but I'm an intense learner. I am an intense sponge, man. Right. Yeah. You're probably the greatest sponge of all time. Is that what would you say? Uh, <laughs> I mean, thank you for thank you for saying that. <laughs> that means a lot coming from you. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm certain, I'm certainly the, I'm certainly a, a pretty amazing sponge. That's true. I would agree. I'm not sure if I'm the best of all time, but should probably I, in top 10. Should I touch your, your middle section to find out for sure? No. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but I soak, I'm a really, really quick learner. Mm-hmm. Like, I, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I find there learn- are other people like that, like Keegan and Eric Olette and Carl are extremely quick learners too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, and that's exactly why, how and why, like they became, uh, s- such important lieutenants in the Oren Moore project, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like they'll, they'll come back a week later and actually have just like learned and memorized and like understand like everything I was teaching mm-hmm. and they were super into it. And they had, they had very limited Eric Olette had the most of the three of them, but, it, but, relatively extremely limited like ego barrier interesting yeah eric is the easiest guy to poke with the ego stuff <laughs> and it's super fun and he doesn't he does not care at all yeah <laughs> super Ugh. super super fun he's easy to that. rile up though like he's that type of fiery guy that you just kind of <laughs> you're almost, you were even alluding to you're kind of almost scared to mess with him too much because he's gonna lose his mind <laughs> yeah exactly well over the years it's just like damn, it would be so fun to mess with him. But then it's like, it's going to take him an hour to come down. Right. So I'll just skip it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to watch though. Yeah. Cause he, well, let's just say Sunday morning of the tuning clinic, he, he didn't exactly make it in. Right. Correct. Cause, uh, Troy's a little dangerous, isn't it? It is now. There's, there's like too many options. It wasn't when I um, went to school here, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I was, I was considering just really being a, uh, luckily like the way we structured it we we actually were okay without him so yeah. it was no big deal and whatever uh i should have paid him less but i didn't none of the students uh, complained or cared uh not so far okay. um but uh i i considered giving him like a real hard time about it but mm-hmm. i was like it's too much work yeah you, i was surprised how well you took it you took it I, at least on the outside in stride you were pretty funny about it yeah that morning and then I, I ran into him before he saw you i was heading back to the hotel yeah and i he was going the opposite direction and he's like he's shaking his head he's like man i feel so terrible <laughs> like about about physically or about, no, 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 missing, about missing it he's like oh I, I can't say what he said but he's i'm gonna go uh kiss some butt but he said it in a much worse way but <laughs> right yeah for sure he's like i'm gonna offer like just don't pay me as much man i'm so sorry i feel so bad <laughs> yeah well yeah so i like that line from mad men like one of the early seasons you watch, ever watch that show? I've seen like just an like, episode. Like uh, I, I like the line, and this it's not like a direct translation, but it's like, you know, um, 
the issue came up like how Don Draper should discipline Pete Campbell or something. Oh, I might've seen this one. Yeah. And like, and you know, one never knows how loyalty is born, you know, like just, just kind of like just by not overreacting and like, right. Cause um, didn't Don want to fire him or something? The other guy was trying to advise him like, eh, just take yeah, it easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I remember so, this, yeah. Uh, but that's definitely a thing. And I've definitely, you know, I've definitely learned that over the years in pipe band leadership too. It's like, you know, if someone needs 500 hours to study for their midterms and that's why they have to miss band practice, like, you know, you can be a dick or, uh, which is sometimes the right thing. Uh, but you could also just, you could also just skip it. And like, uh, sometimes the person really appreciates that you, you know, give them this one pass. How often do you think that happens? That they actually appreciate it. Yeah. Well, with me, with me, it, it happens more often because, because they're expecting the The opposite. Yeah. They're expecting (laughs) the riot act. So when they don't get it, sometimes they're like, you know, sometimes there's, they actually do appreciate it. Interesting. Um, I think Eric Olette probably appreciated not getting it. Oh, I, I bet he did. Yeah, he, I think he was probably because he was. He was like, wow, well, "What's he like this morning?" <laughs> he yeah. was asking me. Well, not he that seems fine. Not that it's like a loyalty game, right? Like, no, no, no. Not no. that I'm running around like, "Oh, like how am I going to get so and so to be more <laughs> loyal to me?" That's not really it. But I just like that line because sure. that's kind of what it is. You know, you have to. No, that's a great line. I think you have to balance like how you you have to balance how you handle situations. Didn't that wasn't that show from the '60s? Or that's the idea of it? Or, or yeah, the show is like a recreation of the '60s. Yeah. I wonder if it's. It seems the world is drastically different now, and especially young people are drastically different now. And yeah. uh, I wonder if that still works. I mean, I, I appreciate <laughs> the concept, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, right? Like, yeah, I think that's a whole different rabbit hole. Yeah, and pl- the idea of leadership knowing when to push which button is really the hard part. Yeah. I, I, struggle, yeah. I and almost always go the wrong way. I'm def- I definitely do not have false ego about that. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm the world's best leader. You know what I mean? World's best piper, like definitely getting close. <laughs> when are you gonna win that silver medal, buddy? Oh shit! You're a dick. <laughs> Just ruined my false ego. You got to prove that one first, right? How many how many levels beyond that is there? Silver, then what? Uh, two two and a half. Okay, so you're, you're getting sort of yeah. close-ish. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you'll maybe you're like one of those guys that um, peaks when he's older. You know. Maybe yeah, be could be post forty. Start yeah. to take your life seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the Browns or whatever, yeah. you know, like they all just got out of the way young. They figured now we'll just party. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> no kidding. They ain't got to worry about it anymore. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, that's the that's the thing. Going back to the branding discussion, I mean, I think I think I, you know, I just don't have a strong enough brand to uh, be competitive in the solos. Mm-hmm. Um. And and then it's like a difficult thing, right? Like, what would it take to build the brand? Um, and I don't think that I'm... Just take a lot of going over there, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, there's a couple ways to do it. Colin Clancy comes to mind. Like, um, he is so amazing at playing MSRs. Like, mm-hmm. it's the most crazy thing ever. Uh, he's like such a great player that... so So... You know, and he doesn't go to Scotland or like this. Is, I'm kind of looking back maybe a, a decade ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's not like playing around the scene constantly all the time. But whenever he did show up, it was so incredible that like he instantly built that brand of being like, 
the freaking most insane light music player ever. And it was yeah. just like lights, lights out amazing to the point where they picked pretty Marion every time because the way he played it was so incredible. So I heard yeah. him play pretty Marion in the former winners MSR at Oban, which is twice through each thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard him play that like three years in a row. Really? Like <laughs> the first tune is whatever. The second tune is whatever. And then the third, the real will be, like you, you he, know it. He should have just held the mic out to the audience because we all said, pretty, <laughs> pretty Marion. Yeah, uh, like and maybe maybe that's maybe I've turned that into a legend, and it's not actually true. But that's certainly what I remember. It was right. always Pretty Marion, and then he just hit. He just nailed those burls. Like it was so crazy. Where is he from? Uh, Colin is from uh, I think uh, I don't know where he lives now, but Ottawa area. Mm-hmm. For a while, he um, he was he ran the Glengarry Pipe Band for a while, and then he's. Of course, uh, in his younger years was uh, SFU pipe band. Oh, okay. You know, like yeah. he's from, you know, spent a lot of time there. I don't, I don't know his exact story, but really cool, super nice guy. Yeah. He reminds me of, um, who's the guy from Apollo 13, um, the actor? He reminds me of him. Gary Sinise? Uh, yeah, he reminds oh, really? me of Gary Sinise <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I digress. But like that's an example. But I, I don't think I'm that, I'm not that incredible of a light music player that that's how I could build my brand mm, okay. you know so so you know to be successful I'd probably have to do it the old-fashioned way and then just the money and the time away from home and like the hours and hours and hours of like going over the same Brock time and time and time again it's just not something I can fit mm-hmm. into my life so right. it's unfortunately it's been it's something that Unless I can figure out another way to build my brand that can actually fit into my lifestyle, then um, then I don't know how it's going to work. What do you think a brand means over there? Like, is so it just I'm, being seen, or is it more than that? There I mean, are obviously playing. I mean, well, we but. talked about this with Donlin a little bit, right? I talked about this with him a little bit, but it's like it, it's like who, it's like it's like what they say about you. Uh, when you're you're not there, kind of thing, mm-hmm. like like uh, Jack Lee or Stuart Little, like we all know what we would say about them if mm-hmm. they weren't there. Like, right. damn, they're really freaking amazingly good. Or like, I love the way he plays the groat, mm-hmm. or or whatever, or you know. And, and Donlin is starting to develop a brand, like you know, he when he's not in the room, and the judges, if he came up in conversation, the judges would be like, oh yeah, that young player is really coming along. You know, mm-hmm. that's like the beginnings of a brand. Uh, I, like the mm-hmm. Lee sons always, the Lee sons always come to mind. Like if they were out of the room, what would judges say about them? Right. Well, like, yeah, they're the son. Like that's Jack Lee's son. And yeah, his plane's really coming along. And I love the sound of his pipes. And uh, like a great thing there is like, especially nowadays, like, oh yeah, he made the pipes that he's playing. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. And the read and the chanter, that's really interesting. And like, you know, but he's also like, like Andrew Lee is the person I'm describing, but he's mm-hmm. also there now regularly every year and they expect to see him. And that's like a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, you know, it's like Steph Curry and the NBA playoffs. Like you expect to see him there now. Right. Yeah. So like he's got, <laughs> but he's got a brand, right? Like you don't even have to watch basketball to know about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, and piping is like very much the same way because you do get to performances like at that level and the gold medal people are playing and like you do get 10 performances that are all really, really amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then sometimes what tips the scales is like your brand. 
silver medal is definitely the same way, but in, in a different way. Like the fact that I'm not seen regularly by that panel makes it really tough to win the silver medal relative to someone who is around the scene a lot. And the judges are already expecting a competitive performance from that person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, uh, I wouldn't say it makes it so I can't win, but I think it, it gives the person with the brand more of an advantage. Sure. All other things being equal. Right. For sure. All yeah. other things being equal, which yeah. they tend to be at that level. Yeah, exactly. So they got to make a decision somehow, right? Yeah. So sometimes <clears throat> your brand is being young. Like I think that was my brand back in the day. Like I was a young player. I was associated with SFU and Jack Lee and, and, um, you know, and people kind of knew that. And I was also at enough summer schools with enough people on the panel that they kind of knew I was a good player already. And I think that helped. I think that helped for sure. Yeah. Um, but at, at the same time, like, you know, um, at the same time, despite playing what were some of my personal best performances pretty consistently, like it just wasn't quite enough to just be definitely the guy they want to give first place. Right. Yeah. You know, or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. But it doesn't fit. Like, I think, and that's one of the big issues that y- you, that I sometimes bring up with somebody like Callum Beaumont or Glenn Brown, like guys that are involved in the CPA. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, um, <clears throat> I don't think the system is unfair, but I think, I think people who, can't be full-time bagpipers are at a disadvantage and i think that's a shame and obviously i'm a full-time bagpiper but you know what i mean like a full-time competitor Competitor, like i can't i have a i have a family and kids and a business so for me to go away for four to six weeks every august like it's not really doable for me so that makes it really hard for me to win the silver medal and i'm i'm sure there are many other pipers out there who are good enough to be in the mix, but it just doesn't like work out. Like the Mm -hmm. system doesn't work out. And I think that's a shame. Like, I think, I think the purpose of the, the, the silver medal and the gold medal and whatever is to determine who the best players in the world are. And, um, right now I think it determines who the best players in the world who can like devote all of their time to this are kind of thing. Well, isn't that what being a pro at something is though? Yeah, and that's the argument against what I'm saying, which is if you were really the best and wanted to win, you'd figure it out. But, like, I think that's a shame. Yeah. Because sometimes, like, I think there are better, and I'm not saying I'm one of them, but Mm -hmm. I think there are players out there who could win the silver medal, but they just can't because of how the logistics work. And so uh, I I do think that at first the silver medal qualifier things, I was like, holy crap, that is weird but i think conceptually now the way that it's shaking out is is uh starting to become kind of interesting um and it does actually put me in the position to be able to play and win the silver medal without requiring four to six weeks necessarily uh playing the scotland circuit which is kind of interesting right because now i could go to kansas city or the metro cup or the bc indoor and like start to take prizes there and that could be good enough to get in. Mm-hmm. It's like extremely interesting, extremely interesting. I don't think it's, I think everybody would agree that it still needs refinement, but yeah, but maybe it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. More opportunities. Yeah. For, Definitely kind of like yourself or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, even if you're like a world, even if you're a professional snowboarder though, right? Like you can, 
there's like a qualification process to becoming like a world champion mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily involve like relocating your life. Like it could, like I'm sure some people do move to like, like a town where the best ski mountain is. Right. I, yeah. I, I know that happens, but, but it's also a lot more legitimate of a sport. And what I mean by legitimate is like just way more populated and like way more objective in how the best people are, the best uh, snowboarders are. Yeah, no, exactly. But sorry, sorry I'm, the size of the- I think you're actually physically asleep over there now. <laughs> this conversation. I was thinking about awesome. it. I was talking about snowboarding. <laughs> it's going to come around to magic eventually, just like the Donald Lindsay conversation. <laughs> you're not, Don- I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're not Donald Lindsay. Oh, I know. I'm just kidding. No, the beard is good. The beard is like pretty good though. Yeah, I'm trying to be more like him. It's graying, so, you know, hopefully it'll be more like him soon. But. Yeah. You just knocked the microphone. That makes you a lot more like him. You got a bell you can ring? I hit the mic. Oh, no. We don't have that. <laughs> we don't have that crap. So uh, I was thinking about... So anyway, sorry about all that. I was thinking about the brand of teaching more than anything as opposed to um, competing. But you built yourself a brand pretty significant for teaching, yeah? Yes. Way more than almost... Well, I don't know. Are you... In, you're internationally famous at this point. At least the dojo is, right? Yeah. Um... You're the only one doing what you do currently, right? Well, successfully anyway, right? Uh, what do Meaning you mean? online, fully technologically advanced teaching um, classes. Yeah. There are a lot groups. of there are a lot of people that are uh, teaching on the internet, obviously. Sure. Uh, but to go beyond like just using Skype, right? You know, um, I I think Yori is doing doing it. I, I'm not sure like what the scope of that is. At, at this uh, stage, but, um, but yeah, there aren't a whole lot of other people doing it. Didn't the piping center or something try it? Yeah. Or was it college of piping? One of those or now uh, the, the same the piping or... center did try it. And yeah. what they found was it's too expensive to do. So like one of the, like, so one of the reasons I've been able to be successful is I, I can personally like to get it started, I can personally combine my technological acumen with, uh, actually having something valuable to say as a bagpipe teacher. Right. Where they had to hire out. Right. So at the piping center, they're paying all the instructors for their time. And then they had to sort out the technology of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that's a whole different set of people. So for them to operate, what they were doing is probably two or three times as costly as it is for us. Probably. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it gets tricky. Yeah. I think about that kind of stuff just in the sense that I'm trying to build my own brand as an instructor. Cause that's what I do for a living, obviously mostly locally, but I teach other people not in Vegas as well. And then coming on with you guys, of course has helped, but, um, but like building a brand as a business owner, it doesn't matter what, what you do exactly. Interesting. Right. You know, but it's, it's so important to, uh, for success. Right. right? Or building a brand as a podcaster, potentially, especially if you're you're us, we, you know we're so great at uh, what we do. You, know, as you and Josh, oh yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, it is a good. <laughs> it is a good show. Yeah, it's a I good mean, show until you talk about piping. Right, then it gets wildly boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it it's, is a real shame. It's like it's like a, the, I love the show so much, and then you're like, all right, let's segue into the topic of the day, and I'm like, ah, bummer. <laughs> here we go really that's interesting because i get we get so many conflicting opinions i suppose about where 
people give us a hard time about not talking about almost anything related to piping most of the time, except right. that it's we're in that everybody that we talk to or about yeah. is in that world. But we're not actually talking about anything really, really, you know. So it's nice that you have segments. I think that's clever. I uh, like the fail of the week and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. that's good. But like, God, Josh, sometimes you like, I think you need, I don't know. You don't care what I think, but like, I do. I think that you Josh need to, I um, I listen to everybody and I, we, we like tweak sometimes things. it can be like two hours into the show before you get to the fail of the week. Like, I think it needs to be slightly more regimented. Uh, that's and then, true. And then like sometimes Josh and, or you, I'm not sure whose fault it is, but like you forget to read off the standard points right at the beginning. So like that one time I was on, or was it somebody else that was on? And like you guys, or no, I wasn't on, but you were talking about the cruise. You mean the warning about what's going to happen here? Or just or, like, uh, uh, you know, press subscribe on, oh, all on Podbean and all that stuff. And then, you know, like buy your Channerant merch, like just the housekeeping stuff yeah, yeah. at the beginning. Oh yeah. And the three, two, one thing or whatever. But like, like sometimes you're just about to get around to something exciting. And then it's like, let's derail the whole flow of the show because we forgot to do like the housekeeping details and oh, then yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah like oh or like just you know i don't know yeah we're definitely learning <laughs> yeah oh for sure and it's it's amazing and i'm i'm just as come. bad i'm just as bad like um in in the types of stuff i try long form conversations are fine because because there's no format because there's no form yeah. yeah they should be called no form yeah we try to um we always try to do like emails and stuff up front I always think that stuff's the boring stuff. I assume people don't want to hear that kind of stuff, but we do it anyway because I don't know because they took the time to send it in. So right, um, I think there should but be like people th- seem to like it. I don't know. Yeah, I think there would be a value to um, like structuring how long you allow that to take. We've talked about like actually getting a, a giant timer and putting it behind somebody's head so we know exactly what we're dealing with because we. We go off on tangent. You don't know what's going right. on, especially if there's a third person. It completely gets lost. You know, the for whole, sure. Yeah, and I think that because sometimes the like I think the emails are hilarious, and and that's I like that usually often more than like the actual topic of the day. Okay, it's like you know just the the really funny stuff. Um, yeah, some people are that wildly creative. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that our fans or write stuff in or whatever. It's it's amazing. Right, exactly. we get a lot of stuff we can't share because they tell us not to share, and it's gold but yeah. they don't want to get in trouble wherever they are. <laughs> right. For sure. We actually had somebody recently tell us that, um, they were a new piper with this band and they were suggested to listen to the show. And she came to find out that it was used as a way to find out if she's going to be a good pipe band member. Like if she's going to fit with the crew of her, that band, cause yeah. they're all kind of like that. And she told us this, she's don't share it. Don't tell anybody about this, but I was like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> We're like the litmus test of if you're an a-hole or not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Essentially, yeah. which is great. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. And apparently that's our brand, so uh, we're just going to own it. <laughs> so, It's a delicate balance, right? Like, there are some podcasts that I listen to that are ultra scripted, and they have their place, and they're kind, they can be interesting. And then there's podcasts that have zero script. Uh, but I think you guys are somewhere in the middle, and I think sometimes you nail it and sometimes you don't. Yeah, it depends how much we have to drink, for sure. I know. And so. that's the other problem, too, is sometimes it just goes totally off the rails. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you'd be amazed. 
I hate it. I hate it when that happens, but it's too late usually. But, but I mean, so many where, people love that. That's where a systematized approach, not that it's scripted in the same every day, mm-hmm. but a system that you use to operate the show, it, you should have one and it should be something that's so simple and reliable that you can do it even when you're hammered. And then it could be really funny. And then it can help prohibit you from letting it go off the rails and like, yeah, yeah like maybe there's a timer system you could do like... All right. And then you could probably program it, right? Like housekeeping details should take no longer than five minutes. Mm-hmm. And like you, you press go on that and do all your housekeeping stuff. And then we're going to, then we do this and then we, but maybe it's, maybe it's actually like a, a, uh, pro, a computer program. I like that idea. Like we have, when we're doing the show, we have, we both have up on our computer show notes. So we have the plan for the day, if you will, with all the links and all the stuff. But sometimes we have a ton of stuff to get through and I'm always the one like I want to get through it all and Josh is sometimes a little smarter in the sense that like he's willing to cut it off at a certain point when it's gone too long right so I just it's just my in my head I'm thinking well they wrote in we'll just get it done but we can always move it to next week there's plenty of time right exactly. <laughs> but I never think I'm always trying to get it done you know right so that makes more sense if there was a timer like no matter what 20 minutes in or whatever whatever it is like I mean the even obvious, if we haven't got through it all just move it to next week the obvious thing that you guys really could use is a producer oh absolutely huge uh, a producer that maybe they're drinking but not getting smashed correct somebody they keep it under control yeah exactly bit, yeah. and it could just be somebody that you know, um, that's there and that, that can, um, you know, direct you to what you need to do. If we can, if we can be successful enough, we'd definitely go that route. It's hard enough getting him and I in a room at the same time in a week and to try to add that third level of complication. I can't even imagine, but you know, if you make it business, like in the sense that, you know, if you're paying somebody to do it or whatever it is, I find the business, like the business aspect of it is liberating. Like you You think so? Yeah. Like, um, if you do it wrong or if you're thinking about it the wrong way, like a, making it a, into a business makes it seem like you're selling out or, mm-hmm. and or that it's going to be like this prison that you live in. But like for me, the systematization uh, is hugely liberating. For example, I, you know, Dojo U, I teach one hour a day. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Can I have, pri- hey, Andrew, are you available for private lessons? Nope. <laughs> you can sign in at 730 and you can get the magic and that's, but that's what I'm doing. Right. But yeah. it's like really liberating. Cause then by eight 30 every day I can get to work. Right. You know what I mean? And like the, the podcast should be the same way. Like, you know, the timer on like the segments, once you get used to it, I think the timer on the segments would be hugely liberating. Like, I think so. Like, you know, um, and then, and then when it, when the timer, di- when the timer goes off, then you move on and then it could be really cool. Could be like, I should be your producer, but I don't live in Vegas. Right, absolutely. No, somebody like you would be amazing at that sort of thing. Yeah, like <laughs> to keep us on track, especially because our shows are wildly different in length. You never know what it's going to be. Right, and I, I think a little bit different be... would be okay, but but the wide some but sometimes it's like two and a half hours for yeah. no good reason. Correct. Yeah, uh, we've never gone that long, but damn near close to two yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it can go anywhere from an hour to two, depending on what's happening. And like a timer would eliminate that. We could just move all, move all that stuff to next week. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's remarkable how much time and effort we spend thinking about something so ridiculous. But (laughs) but it's fun to do. It's it's actually a lot of fun to do. Yeah, Uh, it's become a thing. So it's more like, oh boy, how are we going to do it this weekend? Or I'm out of town this weekend, right? Oh, Josh, how how are we going to freaking schedule this? You know, that kind of stuff. But and that's another way in which a producer would be good. Yes. Is like instead of you guys figuring out the flow of the show, you just send you would send the producer 
like a list of like possible good material. And then the producer would come up with like the flow of the show. Yeah. And like, by the way, these are all great ideas. I think we should move this topic to next week though. And like, this is what we should do. I think it would be the best. And then for the most part, you guys would be like, cool. seems like a good plan. And then, you know, uh, yeah, we wouldn't generally argue like, right. I I don't really care that much. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, so yeah, no, that would be brilliant. Unless we have a particularly good guest, like then I'm like I'm highly involved in maybe yeah. like. But if you schedule. do have a particularly good guest, like I would recommend pre-recording it. Like not doing it live, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, you, or the guest segment part. The guest segment. Oh, I see. Pre- just pre-record it, have a nice conversation, but then if it goes really long. Uh, you can later split it up into two. Right, I know what you mean. Yeah. Or something, I don't know, I digress. Yeah, and record the other parts around it separately. Yeah, yeah. Just, just all just ideas, but... No, oh, it's all good stuff. I think that will be the next level, you know? And um, I think you should you should uh, welcome the next level with open arms as opposed to, like, fighting it. You think? Yeah. I, I don't feel like we have... We're even to that point of thinking we're too smart for it yet. <laughs> we're not quite ego on where we're like we're we're the best at this, so we're not going to take. Well, like think about those. a system. Think like start to think about how to systematize what you're doing. Would be my advice. That'd be great um, because like that's and and systems don't mean you do the exact same thing every time. It just means you you have like a method that works for all situations. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Like think about McDonald's, right? Like. McDonald's is obviously highly systematized, right. um, but if they can't get your burger done on time, they, there's a contingency for that. They're like, hey, pull over into that parking spot. We'll bring it right out as soon as it's done mm-hmm. so that they can keep the train moving, mm-hmm. uh, even though like something, like something went not to plan. Right. And people don't care, usually, as long as you have something specific, which is interesting. I was reflecting about that on the tuning clinic, too, mm-hmm. like the system that this is our third year, but we now have like a a pretty we're like, we're way closer to like the system being the right way. Like we ended up doing the dinner at Brown's on the Friday and then the dinner at dinosaur on the Saturday. Mm -hmm. But like when you just tell people where to go, they're so much happier than if you don't. Oh yeah. Like, okay, we're going to do this now, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then this is going to happen, and then you're going to go here. It's just like dating, right? Tell the tell the girl where you're going. Do not ask the question. <laughs> uh, you know? There's so much happier. Thing. No, but that's so true, man. That's so true. Like, um, yeah. You're, but, I mean, in a non-creepy way, you're totally sure. correct. Like, yeah. that's, I think, I think women are attracted to that. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, we're going to do this now. This is where we're going to dinner. Big time. You know, um... This yeah. is where we're going to go to dinner. And um, and then after dinner, we're going to go bowling. She might not even like bowling, but the fact that you're just telling her what to do is probably attractive. Absolutely correct, yeah. Which is also the same thing as a teacher, student versus man, woman, whatever. It's an attractive, uh, you know, quote unquote, attractive quality to be 100% in charge of the situation at all times. Right. Or a pipe major for that matter, I suppose. Yes. Um, yes, I think that's definitely, and that's definitely an observation. Uh, that's definitely an observation that I've had. And that's one of the challenges with the cruise that we haven't a hundred percent figured out, but we're getting better mm-hmm. is on the cruise. There's infinite things to open time that can be done. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's so much Vegas is probably the same way. Oh my God. Like yeah. it's probably better to go to Vegas with an itinerary. Oh, definitely. You probably get more out of it. But like the cruise is the same way. Like, like we need to be able to tell people, okay, 
this is what we're doing now. Now we're doing this. And at noon, you're doing this. And then, because it gets kind of interesting, like, yeah, it's kind of interesting because you get to the end of the day at the cruise and, and then I expect people to go do their own thing. Mm-hmm. But some people want to do stuff with the group, like, and then maybe not every night, but sometimes they want to have like a dinner. So like, I think we need to have like a fully scripted thing. You might need to, I was, I was surprised how, I think there were two nights where you had like a formalized, semi-formalized, like we're all meeting up here at this time. Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. Like that doesn't normally happen at a pipe school per se. Yeah. Like the pub crawl thing is a great example of a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Like that worked. We're going to do that again. So we had a pub crawl. Uh, after the second full day of teaching and we had a day off after, so it was okay for people to like have a wild time, but almost everybody came out for that. I was surprised how many people, I came. was amazed how many people at least came out for the first couple stops. Correct. And then people, you know, there were some people who didn't want to get totally trash, yeah. but it was actually like really fun. Um, but to have that for people to look forward to, I think is important. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think some people could probably care less about, you know, that it was a pub crawl, that was the name of it, or that there was, or, or, the, or the drinking in particular, but it was just that they had, that they were kind of so told slow. what to do. Yeah. And then now that I think about it, I think it's one of the reasons Piping Hot Summer Drummer is such a great um, piping school too. Because every moment of your day is scripted. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that works though. It's also flexible. Like, you know, there, there'll be times where you can opt out if you want, but... You know, uh, there is a, you know, young people piping competition in the, in the pub at 7.30 PM. Right. You know, there's a magician show. Now there's a magician show at 8.30. Like <laughs> Dale. Um, they uh, really do that? Yeah. There's a, uh, a really great magician that's also usually goes to piping hot. At least when, when I, back in the day when I was there. So like, sure enough, Wednesday night at 8.30, he put on like an hour long magic oh, show. That's awesome. It's just wild. Really good. Right. Like, but people like that. Like you, you, you need to fill people's time. That would be as opposed to like a standard piping school model where like, um, you have a small class and you get a one hour class in the morning and a one hour class in the afternoon. And then aside from that, you're kind of expected to fill in the time yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's not as good. People don't leave as satisfied, right. even though they might get more out of that actually, right. but they don't leave as satisfied. I was actually having this conversation with my father yesterday at lunch because he's desperately trying to understand what we do here because <laughs> he doesn't get it. What exactly and would you say <laughs> you do, do here? So like at the dojo, you mean? Just my life and dojo oh, yeah. and how your business works and stuff like that. The whole the whole nine yards. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to him about like how social schools are because I, I used to attend schools. He knew that. And I was trying to explain to him like the cruise and this and how – like they went to dinner with us on Saturday night and how every, I mean, everybody was there as far as I could tell, the whole student body was there as far as I could tell. So, and he was just, it was just, he was fascinated by the fact that like these, and they're all older for the most part, older people. Right. And he's like, these people all do this <laughs> like, yeah. and they come out for this stuff. Like, and they've spent this kind of money and blah, 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 that whole thing. Like, yeah. like It was crazy, man. I mean, we, uh, it was totally crazy. And the craziest thing to me, cause we now have a small core of people that, that will do these in-person events, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's not the core of our business at all. Zero percent. Right? right. Like we do a few of them so that we can meet together offline and like actually, 
you know, get to experience uh, literal friendships <laughs> instead right. of like just in the chat box that don't yeah. know you. Um, but it was just amazing. Like um, we were smart enough to have the next ship already booked by, this, by the time we got on the cruise. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so we we eighty percent filled the next one before anybody got off that boat. Right, that's it was crazy. Yeah. Um, and um, and so now I've already I've already got twenty twenty one booked. Oh, right, now yeah. too, which is yeah. which is pretty cool. And, I mean, and it's difficult, and it's but it's really fun, and it's like our group, and yeah, like it's kind of working for us right now because we've got like a core of people, <laughs> like at the tuning clinic, Kenny Allen and the boys, like they have way too much fun at these events now. I was just gonna bring like him, it's bring almost him too up. much, but I'm not gonna say anything because it's like so fun. But right, I was actually gonna bring but him like, up. Ken, Kenny corrupted. Eric Olat so much oh, yeah. on the Saturday night that he couldn't make it in. He very couldn't make much, it in in the morning. Very but, much he did. But it's like, uh, it seems to be good natured. Like I've been to some schools where people get just totally trashed and have no regard for like the event, sure. end up having no actual regard for the event. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and that's obviously negative, but so far it's like, you know, yeah, some people do over and by, but you know. Yeah. It works out. Speaking of Ken, he was he, he sat down with my parents for a little bit at dinner, and he was telling them basically that my father told me this later. He was like, uh, "Yeah, I don't really even come to these things for the for the I mean for the piping part." He's like, "I just like to socialize and meet see these people. Like these are I like these people, so we have fun, and I just come out." And my father's like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> he was blown away. We by have that. a weird we <laughs> have a weird thing that way, right? We do so much learning online so much right like ken for example he's five hours a week with yours truly he comes to some of mine now he doesn't have anything left to learn yeah that's not true he does ken he always he always do but ken keep practicing he comes to mine and he's like uh, he just sits in the background he drinks his whiskey in the background he'll come on the mic once in a while and play along or whatever but yeah (laughs) but i mean i don't he's just there for the fun fun, though it's really like and, and it really is kind of fun and like i think the the overarching vision of like creating a real piping school but on the internet mm-hmm. like it's actually a thing and ken's like proof of that kind of yeah because mm-hmm. he'll just just like you would at a piping school you just grab some whiskey uh turn on your ipad and and just kind of hang out while piping is going on right exactly you know it, it makes me think we need to have and i know we do it's just a hard thing to figure out let's talk about systemization right it would mm-hmm. be a very hard thing to systematize but like we need to have more recitals on on the site, just like just like good pipers come on and play. Is that a bad addition, idea for an addition? Yeah, but it's just hard to systematize. Like, you know, like um, we need to systematize reaching out to people and then like asking them to have a tune. But then they have to make sure they have good enough equipment to like make it happen. And oh. it, it like would pre recorded material work kind of but it would be cooler if it was live cooler if it's live because it feels like a thing if it's pre-recorded they can go watch anytime and they won't yeah generally speaking yeah this is a funny argument i have with josh constantly because he hates live stream stuff he just thinks it's a waste of time and for me it's the opposite and it may not be as good quality wise right but it's a thing and people want to be part of a thing yeah it's way more successful i think it's more yeah successful. there's like a social which is weird coming from me because i'm so like 
not socially skilled usually. Obviously, yeah. But, I mean, you're uh, borderline. Obviously, borderline. Uh, borderline uh, <laughs> um, so uh, I have trouble picking up on social cues. <laughs> exactly. Which is not, I think I'm, uh, I don't know. I think you just, you pick we up can, on them, you just ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just one step ahead of you. Right. Uh, usually, if not two. Well, you're a genius. So. Uh, absolutely. I've got the mug to prove it. Yeah. Um, so, so what was I trying to say? Oh yeah, the social aspect of it's really important. Yeah. Hugely, uh, I didn't know that to the point either. where it gets a little bit annoying sometimes. Like, like we have to get through everyone's life problems before we can start class. Sometimes it's like, nope, mm-hmm. nope, stop that. Nope, just about piping. Trust do, me. Do you let people on the mic like right away? In your, I've, no, in your no, class? no. Oh. But they do it in the chat. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, and it's to me, it's a little annoying because like piping can and should be like something that you use to at least briefly put all that stuff aside for one hour. Like, you know, I Mm -hmm. get it. Like, like I get that there's like problems, but like for just one hour, it's like when I go to CrossFit, it's the same way because you're in so much pain that you're not thinking about anything else. Right. Exactly. But like, you know, everything else if you do it right, everything else gets turned off for an hour and you got some buddies who are all doing the same thing and you get together and you suffer together and it's like kind of fun and you crack dirty jokes for an hour. And then like, uh, and then, then you go back to your life and guess what? Life, life seems a little brighter after that. You yeah. just had like a nice fun social experience and you improved yourself in some way you got some enjoyment out of it. And now you can go back to it. That's like, and as much as people like to give me a hard time, we have fostered that um, community in the 7.30 a.m. class. Oh, absolutely. Look at how many showed up on Monday morning. Uh, I only knew about it because they were writing about it on the Facebook about where is Andrew? He's not here today. It's- yeah, like usually on a Monday, <laughs> usually on a Monday I get uh, 25 to 30 people out. Wow. That's and, then, and then it tapers off throughout the week. So people come out on Monday and then they realize this week's tune is hard or something. And maybe they don't. Not, not quite as many on Tuesday. Not quite as many. But, you know, uh, but I'm always above 15 now. Wow, that's great. Um, and, uh, and it's like, you know, the, it's like the regulars. But if you want to get good at bagpipes, wake, start waking up at 730 and come, <laughs> come on over. Or 430 if you're in the West Coast, either way. Yeah, it's, and it's like kind of thing like... I think some people don't do Dojo U because they already have a private teacher. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I wish I could figure out how to explain better that you're missing the point, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you can have a private teacher and do Dojo U. Um, and like the two things are like a, would be an amazing cocktail for success. Sure. Um, there are some things you cannot do in a private lesson that we do extremely well in the 7.30 a.m. recurring sessions. What's that? Like, for example, just cycling through all of the fundamentals and giving them equal amounts of attention day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're really familiar with how we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, listening to other people and learning from their mistakes. You can't huge. do that during a private lesson. That's a huge part um, of classwork, yeah? Yeah, and then, and then there are a lot of things that are unteachable in a one-hour window. Yeah. Uh, tuning comes to mind or, you know, it also seems like most private lessons end up being learning a new tune or working on that tune or, perf- you know, but right. it's never the, it's never fundamentals. It's rarely. Yeah. Tuning and it's why I don't teach private lessons anymore. It's like, cause I want to talk to you about fundamentals, like fun, like better fundamentals are how you're going to get that tune to sound good. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> but they just want to get that tune to sound good. 
So it's like, so, and, and that does have value, especially if you're a soloist, like you, you want to make sure your two, four March sounds freaking good. I totally get that. Um, and, and I think a private lesson is better than a dojo you session in, in terms of making your solo tune sound good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, dojo you is way better at making you a better overall musician, right. like day by day, right. way better. Um, but it's not to say that private lessons don't have any value. But like, and I wish I could get students, sure, but teachers to realize that as well. Like, um, and, and it's something that's on my mind and that we're working on. But sometimes people don't send their students to Dojo U because they're worried that they'll join Dojo U and then stop taking lessons with them. Right. You know, and, and like, that's not the way I look at it at all. Like, I look at it like teachers should be like, Oh my God, first thing you're going to do is sign up for Dojo U and your job is, you know, every day that you're not in a private lesson with me, that you're on the site for at least a few minutes, like working, learning something, working on something. Yeah. Um, it's actually know, a great idea. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, like we're not on the website, like, Hey, what are you doing learning from that guy? Like right. we never do. We never that. do That's that, not right. a thing. Right. We're just like, Hey, welcome fundamentals go. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. It's really like our playbook is remarkably straightforward too. It's like, but we're just going to make sure you can do it. And we're going to talk about it and dig deep. And like, you know, um, do some people quit their private lessons because of the dojo? Yes. Probably. But I think it's a pretty small number. Yeah, I would would assume so. A lot of the people that are in my classes, I know how to take lessons from somebody. Yeah, here's a question. And also do that. Here's a question for someone like you, although I don't know if you could give me a biased, an unbiased answer or not, because you're already on my payroll. But like, uh, if you were a bagpipe teacher and I gave you a cut of, um, people that you referred to me, would that interest, would that make you more inclined? Like, you know, like a referral, like a referral percentage, like a, like a piece of the pie. I would personally. Yes. I think so. Even like, before. like for example, uh, a premium membership is 30 bucks. If I give you 30 bucks a month, if I give you 10 bucks a month because you referred that person to me, is that appealing? Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's, that's, um, if I was smart. Yeah, absolutely. Cause ultimately you want to cash flow, not well. And the interesting <laughs> thing is like, and what Passive, I, especially. what I would find appealing is even if that person quits lessons with me because they love the dojo so much more, your referral wouldn't go away. You would still be earning that money. Right, exactly. Um, and I think it would, like, I'm picturing a guy like, uh, like a guy like Glenn Brown or Callum or somebody that teaches a lot of schools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people at those schools want to stay in touch with those instructors that they worked with. Correct. So, like, they could be teaching on Dojo so that they could, like, continue to have exposure uh, with that teacher they really liked at the summer school. And, you know, and then meanwhile, that instructor would be earning money because they're a member, something like that. So then would you bring them on as instructors as well? Or sure. Potentially? Potentially. But maybe, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Why not? Because that benefits everybody, not just their followers. It benefits everybody on the site. So anyway, I'm thinking about something like that. I, like I'm thinking about ways to encourage influencers mm-hmm. to want their people to be, you know, to, like I'm thinking about ways to partner basically. Sure. No, Cause I sense. think that would be a big thing. You know, like a lot of people think I'm a dick, <laughs> but, but they like other people. 
So, you know, maybe there's a way to bridge that gap. Well, that's definitely true. I've definitely, I witnessed that. (laughs) There's all sorts of, there's all sorts of referral techniques out there and especially on the internet, like YouTube, the famous YouTubers and the vloggers, like Mm -hmm. they all try to go on each other's vlogs so that you get the cross pollination. uh, Cause that's the other thing too, right? It's like, we get tons of people at Dojo U who are like, I want private lessons. And I say, I don't do that. (laughs) I was like, Nope, that's my standard response these days. Uh, not because I don't want to, but because I know it's not my strength and I know I need to be focused on Dojo U. So I usually right. don't take on private, usually. Right. You should still ask because it, it boosts my ego. So don't, <laughs> don't stop asking. Do you really need more of that? Um, but then like, but I tell people all the time, um, it, like call, like email Andy Fusco. Right. Or sometimes if they're more of like a, if they're more like, like soloists, I'm, I might say like, oh, I know Glenn Brown teaches mm-hmm. Skype lessons or Callum Boma. But like those are people that we have, those are like sort of unofficial dojo partners. But right. like that would be a good way, I think as well. It's like, like I can help you get students too if you can help me get students. And like it could, it could maybe po- quite possibly work. Sure. I don't oh. know. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. It's always good to expand, right? Until you can't. Well, it depends. Like, but then you also you have to people. weigh, you also have to weigh like the pros and cons because I would, uh, I earn less money if I'm sharing it. Uh, true. So you just have to, you have to do the Excel spreadsheet and of make like sure growth is still worth paying somebody to do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the variable cost model or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or you tell them it's like, Oh, uh, all the people you sign up, they're going to have to pay 50 bucks a month so I can give you a no, 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 that doesn't, that doesn't raise work. prices. Yeah. <laughs> we got to raise the price so that I, I can get, more member now people wouldn't like that message no probably no, but not. no but in all seriousness um yeah it's pretty cool yeah that's a great service i think i've i've been uh following you for a long time long before i ever knew you before you were even a uh, adobe system or whatever the hell you know i don't yeah. know how it, i don't remember all the machinations of how it all formed but i remember you having a powerpoint on the internet in 2010 or something like that yeah with a lap asap on it. i'm like I get that. That yes. makes sense to me. ALAP, ASAP, yes. <laughs> that was like the first thing that grabbed my yeah. attention. I'm like, oh my God, who are these guys? Yeah. <clears throat> this makes sense to me because I was always taught the old school way. Yeah, of- I mean, going going back again to like the thing of the brand, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that is my, that is my, what do they, what do they call it? Uh, my unique selling proposition. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can explain bagpipe fundamentals to you better than anyone else in the world. You know, mm-hmm. that's like my thing. And, and, uh, and and then you can build a brand on that. Like what what are you doing that's unique? Mm-hmm. Like going back to how that works. And you didn't you don't even necessarily realize it's happening. So sometimes it's hard to figure it out. But you are doing something unique, and that's what is attracting customers to you. Um, and then um, then you have to figure out how to market that skill the best that you can. But uh, but that's like my thing. That's ALAP ASAP is was my first like breakthrough moment where it's like wait a minute. There's actually a way to describe how this works that's remarkably simple. It's remarkably simple. As opposed to like hold that, cut that more. No, you have to hold that more. No, you're not holding that enough. No, no, no. You got to cut that harder. No, no. See, in this section here, you got to be softer. That's exactly what Don't hold that as much. (laughs) Don't hold that as much. That's a little less holding. But you got to hold. Don't forget to hold this one. No, see, that's a left foot. That's a left foot. You have to hold that one. Right. But then don't overcut this one and attack them. Don't crush them. Right. 
This is right? exactly that's, how I learned. That's the, <laughs> that's the current system, right? I can explain that to you in a much more simple way. That's easily repeatable and that's applicable in 99.9% of all bagpiping situations. Absolutely. That's appealing, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's what we, that's what I do. Uh, that's like, you know, so I have like a, I have a succinct methodology, um, that, that works and it's, uh, extremely affordable to become like yeah, ingrained absolutely. in that. So like, that's like, that's our jam. That's what we do. But like for other people teaching bagpipes, I would encourage them to like figure that out. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you bringing to the table? That's unique. Like, for example, you are not like, you are not a uh, 18 time silver star winner or, mm-hmm. or whatever Jack Lee is. Right. right. Yeah. So obviously Jack has a really strong like selling proposition for teaching, which is why, you know, he's able to charge the big bucks and people flock to him. But, sure. but like you have something that he doesn't have, right? Like you do, like you have time on your hands. If you're from Vegas, you've got the local thing mm-hmm. that makes you unique. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So a lot of people targeting locally, um, you know, that's, that's like a, a real benefit. Um, you're willing and able to teach for probably less money than Jack too. So that's, that makes, I, I'm just like, I'm just brainstorming here, sure, but, sure. but yeah. a lot of people can do that as well. Um, I think, I think that the fact that you are tied into a system like Dojo U is also unique and you could leverage definitely. that and you do leverage that. I right? do. Yeah, definitely. Like you, you, um, cross, you, you kind of like cross over and do that kind of stuff, but we all have those interesting things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have interesting ways in which we're really like, I mean, Donald Lindsay is super like super high value. Um, and it's easy to see what that is if you're in the game for any length of time, like, right. like the, you know, the stories and like his rich history and his knowledge is like his knowledge is even beyond Jack's knowledge in, in many areas, mm-hmm. which is why like Jack will commonly go to Donald for feedback and advice on his playing, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Right. And certainly the younger generation is really starting to catch on to like how valuable that is. But like, yeah, figure out what, figure out what makes you unique and then leverage that. Sure. Absolutely. One of the other things that makes me unique is I, I can uh, integrate technology with what I know. Right. There are very, very few, few there are some like Yori is really, really good at it as well. There are some uh, great pipers that are great with technology uh, but very, very few. So it's part of my unique, like my, un- my unique uh, angle. Right. So, you, and then leverage that. And then, you know, not to say that I'm driving Mercedes Benz or anything, but like, <laughs> but that's how, that's how I've been able to uh, get piping to pay the bills. You know, an interesting side shot of that is um, selling bagpipe supplies. Right. Yeah. Is not actually anything remotely unique to my skill set yes you know what i mean so you'll you'll notice that the dojo is way less aggressive on that front because it's like but with that said it's also why i hired carl mm-hmm. is like that is something that he's extremely skilled with is like you know um explaining products to people and helping them integrate them and so carl is really really good at that uh, but that's why i brought him on is because right. like yeah selling supplies does help pay the bills but it doesn't even remotely like align with my skills. Right. You know, like e- even my own bagpipes, it's like, 
how do I know what drone reads I'm going to play? It's like I just try a bunch and whatever ends up working the best is what I go with. Right. <laughs> so, you know, clearly that's not like it's not actually my number one like thing I should be focused on and, and leveraging. Sure. Yeah. Because not going to work. And then meanwhile, like our competitors, like take Henderson Imports, for example. I mean, they are pristine. Like they're incredible. Oh yeah. In my opinion, like an incredible company. And so like I can either spend all my time trying to compete with Henderson or, you know, uh, or I can focus on what I'm good at. Right. I think a lot of pipers make that mistake. I agree. I made, I mean, that was a, I mean, luckily I found Carl, uh, early, early in the process and he really like took the products thing. Uh, but we're still not a huge product supply. It's not a huge thing. And it's less and less huge by the day because uh, we're, we're so like uniquely suited to do the online teaching stuff. But um, luckily I found Carl because otherwise, yeah, I, it would have been a mistake to get into that because it's like not my jam. Right. Yeah. Like uh, envelopes and you got to stick the sticky things <laughs> on the envelope and then you got to bring them to the post office. And for a while I did that. But like think about it. Every moment I spend sticking envelopes – is a moment I'm not spending developing my educational offering. Correct, yeah. So it's just not worth it. Yeah. It's just not a thing, and, and you shouldn't do it. I mean, I think there are a lot of pipers out there who teach lessons, right? Mm -hmm. Because they Because it's a good way for them to earn money. But, like, take an amazing soloist, for example. Every hour you spend teaching lessons is an hour you're not spending playing and getting better. Mm-hmm. So like for a lot of people, they should not be doing that. Not because not because they shouldn't be doing that, but because that's not actually the best use of their time. Yeah, for what, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. And then so many great pipers I've had conversations with about how it, yeah, teaching burns you out. You don't want to go practice for ninety minutes after you just taught for seven hours. It definitely does. You know it's what hard. I mean? So, um, and and I don't do that. Right? I teach one hour a day. Right. Because, uh, and then even after that, I sometimes don't feel like playing, <laughs> I was but, gonna say, even but if I taught for, <laughs> if I taught for four or five hours a day, uh, it would be definitely not. So, right. um, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's really hard to play yourself for sure. Right. Cause so you've I mean, already, you've already been in the bagpipe mindset for however many hours. And yeah. Like, I'm also very passionate about it. There are also clearly bagpipe teachers out there who are not actually that passionate. It's just something they can do. So they do it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think that, I think there is a way to figure out what the passion is and kind of leverage that. I think there is a way. For sure. And you guys are having that conversation this weekend, you and Carl, and I guess everybody really, but about how you, <laughs> you basically surmise that I think we're making a difference out there. Like, People are a little bit better at tuning, and I think yeah. I think we have a significant I, effect on that. I've definitely been getting that feeling lately. Like I think the world is actually better at bagpipe maintenance right now. Right, that was maintenance. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what I was thinking. Because like people <laughs> show, showed up to the tuning clinic, and their pipes were not disasters. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> he didn't open the box and it just exploded. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, and then obviously I'm biased, but it's like, I think it has a little bit to do with what we're doing. And Keegan was agreeing like, definitely. I think so. Plus um, the, the other people you have spreading the message. Right. Right. Keegan's spreading the message in New Jersey, right? That's right. Yeah. To a bunch of guys that 
probably didn't do that before. Right. He came along, I imagine. Well, even Josh, uh, even Josh on your show says like the dojo helped him a lot. Oh yeah. Which is interesting because he's still on the free membership plan. I got to talk to him about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how seriously he ever took any of that, but I mean, he definitely took the, well, cause I talk about it constantly. Right. So I don't know where he got it from necessarily, to be honest, but he does talk about it. Like it's a huge difference once you figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do get the feeling we're making a difference. Um, I think so. It's a, you know, it's a slow thing. It's like a virus across the country, slowly spreading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a great point. I mean, um, you know, like it's a good point. And I think that really aggressive naysayers uh, accuse me of like, you know, being a snake oil salesman. But like, so part of it is, but like part of the reason I feel good about it is I know what we're teaching is right. Like I actually use my product to sell my product. Like, like um, when I show up to Inverarian District Practice, fairly good band, right? Mm-hmm. When I show up, I'm doing the four questions on my pipes, no doubt, 100. percent Check, you know, airbags, airtight, yep. Joints, yep. Reed seats, yep. Calibration, yes. Okay, now I'm ready for band practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. It's like what I'm talking about. I'm actually doing. If you don't think I'm doing a lap ASAP. Uh, while I'm playing an inverary, you're, you're wrong about that. That's what's exactly what I'm doing, and that and it works. Mm-hmm. Rhythmic accuracy also obviously important. Small grace note size, yes, that all that. <laughs> yeah, embellishment steps, yes. Why why do you, why would they call it snake oil salesman? Well, because like, where, like the... you know, because I have six steps to six steps to simplify your bagpipe tuning. It's like you know the oh. the extreme naysayers so are like, this is bull crap. This guy is just trying to just trying to you know scam you and all that stuff like you get it all the time well it's still it's more the presentation of the message is what they oppose right yeah well that's all but that's marketing yeah like you know uh but uh but like the four steps to make your bagpipes easy well isn't that isn't that actually what you want absolutely like if your bagpipes feel like i understand maybe some pipes are going to be harder to blow than others uh but but that should be a cho- that would be a choice, and like the actual operation of your instrument should be easy. Correct. Like our p- our great piano players, I don't want to say pianists on the air. <laughs> our great pianists struggling to play their instrument? No, no, they're not. I, we saw a lot of that. Well, some of that this weekend, as a matter of fact. Haters, haters. Oh, there's plenty of them out there. Yeah. So like, but uh, but yeah. But like, it's a good. It is hard, right? Like it's challenging, and it, it can be upsetting. And the way that you sleep at night is by knowing I am actually better, more experienced than all of the haters. So I know, you know what I mean? I know it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we made Oren Moore from a middle of the pack grade two to a qualifying grade one band in four years mm-hmm. using these exact philosophies and techniques. Right. So I know it works. So I can deal with the haters. Right. And haters are probably those people we talked about in the beginning that have the giant egos that aren't willing to listen anyway. Right. That like are the ones know, that are yes. on, on Dojo University engaged telling you to put a hairdryer or put your pipes in the freezer. Or whatever no, no, I, I don't think the people on, <laughs> I don't think the people on the Facebook group are knowingly like, like, uh, giving bad advice. I, I, I just, uh, it just, ups, it, it upsets me. Like, yeah, let's just say they're frequent commenters too, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. They're on, on there all the time, giving information that is only sort of correct at best. 
and they don't, they're presenting themselves as having experience that they actually don't have. Oh yeah. Lots of them. Yeah. Lots of them in the internet in general. See it all the time. Yeah. They're not haters though. I mean, they like, um, they like the dojo, but like, you know, it, it is tough and it's tough to explain to somebody. No, actually. And I've already thought of that. And, and no, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How do you present that in a nice way? But. Yeah. Like bagpipe <laughs> maintenance. Sorry, buddy, but bagpipe maintenance actually is easy. Uh, and the result is your bagpipes actually feel easy. So that's why I'm selling you this free PDF explaining why it's easy and how it makes your bagpipes easy. Well, it's funny is I bet you there's people out there. They'll sign up for the free four question one basically. And then they'll read through it and be like, Oh, wait a minute. I knew this already. Yeah. That's the point. Like you, sh- but you're just not right. doing it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody knows this. Well, that's where that free guide <laughs> is really valuable is like, it explains how to do it in there. Mm-hmm. Like how to actually do it. Like, it should take you 30 seconds a day to maintain your pipes. Yeah. And then here's how. And then the course the course that follows up that kind of accompanies that is also extremely useful because we show you how to do it in, in video form and with quizzes and all that stuff. The more step-by-step you can be, the more people respond to it, I think. Yeah, and I mean, um, yeah, and it's a very try-before-you-buy type thing as well. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Like you have to, you can't be like, hey, you have to be a premium member now. Please sign up. Right. Like people don't do that. And we've learned that as well. So, so we, we spend a lot of time disseminating free information. Right. You know, because, uh, it's only, th- it's only by demonstrating to people that, Hey, actually, this is how you do it. It's only by demonstrating that this is how you do it and that it works that you can change their mind and then make them receptive to becoming a member. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like, say at the tuning clinic, when we went through the whole first day of like uh, maintenance stuff and calibrating and all that, and like you you help them do it, and they think there's some magic to what you're doing, and I'm like, I'm just doing exactly what you see written on the yeah. board right there. I'm tightening. I'm making sure the bags are tight. I'm doing the joints. I'm doing the blah blah whatever it is, yeah. and and then they'll do it, and it's not quite right. There's still a finesse to it, of course, but you come back second day and stuff still sort of, I'm like, no, you're still not quite there yet. <laughs> like, people don't understand that. Um, people don't understand that talent and excellence and magic. It's just a result of doing extremely simple things a billion times. Correct. People do not understand that. And you can't explain it to them either. Cause they don't understand it. Right. Like, like, <laughs> um, but like if you calibrate your drones, like I have 15, thousand times over the course of two years like adjusting a drone read isn't going to seem like a big deal anymore correct and it's going to look to the looks like magic and it's going (laughs) to look like magic but it's not yeah it's like the the reason tuning looks so easy when i do it is because i've done it thirty thousand times this year right and 30,000 times or more because i wasn't as good at it the year before that and the so once you've tuned your drones 400,000 times the 400,000 and first time is not difficult. And it certainly looks easy mm-hmm. to the, um, untrained eye, mm-hmm. but that's all that it is. And I'm 100% sure Jack Lee would agree with that or Callum Beaumont or Glenn Brown or oh, anybody who's absolutely. actually achieved mastery. Mastery is a result of doing actually pretty straightforward, easy things a quadrillion times. Exactly. Correct. <laughs> so like, so the best thing you can do right now is get the first quadrillion under your belt. 
do it as quickly well, quickly as possible basically yeah, done is better than <laughs> done is better than perfect yeah. perfect is not actually attainable that's the other thing i ran into a lot was people like afraid not to get it perfect so they wouldn't do it at all right they, they give up way too well that's soon. the big tuning problem yeah that, and, and we have to address that at the clinic it's like and and i did it raise mm-hmm. your hand if you've ever not reached up to tweak your drones because you were worried you were going to make them worse not better Everybody, and everybody, almost including everybody. <laughs> including the instructors, like that's yeah. we've all. Done oh, I've that. done it. I've, back in the day, I definitely did. <laughs> but like, uh, and that's where you're going to need to tune your drones four hundred thousand times to realize that um, you can do it, and it's not going to make it. You worse. Gain confidence. You, you get very fast at it, and then like, remember the days. I don't know if you ever do this, but where and people still do it to this day, where they'll you'll tune their pipes. You're like, can I just put it in a box like this? I don't want right. to move it. Like it's not going to be the same tomorrow. Yeah. So you're going to have to do it anyway. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, there's legends of people actually doing that. There was a legend of a lady at the Invermark schools one year that actually went out and bought a gun case. So it was big enough to fit the whole thing. <laughs> it was big enough to fit the base drone and they got all the padding so that and they cut out the holes for uh-huh. the pipes and the and then uh the plan was for Jim and Gilvery to get them all tuned up. And then they'll just put them in the gun case and they should never be good touch for a while. Again. Yeah. Somebody, somebody. I hope he was joking. I'm pretty sure he was. Said to me this weekend, he's like, "Now that you got those tuned, can, can I? I'm just gonna glue them in place." <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, do it. <laughs> What's interesting about that is a little bit of common sense can definitely help you get started. Like, if you put your pipes back together, the same way you remember them from yesterday, that's mm-hmm. a great starting point. Mm-hmm. You're gonna start without your bagpipes sounding like a complete and total train wreck, where you don't even know where to begin. Right. So that is actually a good tip, but uh, you don't have to use glue. No. Like just re- just remember and get it close, and then and then do the six steps of bagpipe tuning. Right. Uh, and just you know, um, and just do it a million. I, I still don't think we hammered that point home enough. It's like what should what should you do when you get home from the tuning clinic? Right. Start the process of tuning your pipes four hundred thousand times. Yeah. You know, like try and do it 10 to 15 times tomorrow and try and do it every day moving forward. Practice the, you know, process 10 to 15 times. And then uh, let me grab my calculator here. How long would that take? What did we say? 400,000? Yep. So 400,000. By the way, I got to go pretty soon. 400,000 divided by, let's say you could do it, you could tune your drones 15 times a day. So that's, uh, it actually might be hard, that might not be achievable. That would be 26,000 practice sessions. So divided by 356 or whatever? Let's do 350 days a year you could play your pipes. 76 years. years. Well, <laughs> okay, that might be right. a bit much. Maybe. <laughs> all right, so up at the 20 okay, times a day. Let's what, go now, there. what are we doing? No, no, hold on. <laughs> let's do it. Let's see. How about, how about 40,000? Okay. Well, wouldn't you just move a decimal point? See, I'm glad. Point? I'm glad we're cooking the math here. This is important. <laughs> so 40,000 divided by 15 times a day. It's going to be 7.6 years in the end. Now it's 20. No, now it's uh, 26. 66. So this is going to be like, this is going to be seven years, which sounds about right, right? Yeah. So uh, now divide that by... Listen, I didn't go to RPI for nothing. I know. I, all, I learned how to move a decimal point. So there you go. <laughs> 7.6 7. years. You'll be a master at it. Yeah. If you do it. Which actually makes sense mm-hmm. because... It sounds it about... Me, it sounds pretty familiar. It sounds pretty close to the number of years it took me to become a real, real expert at tuning. I would say that's about right. And it's that old 
poem or whatever they all joke about or whatever it is about the seven years to make a piper 21 years thing whatever right. it is i remember about the seven year mark is when i really really started to flip into being able to hear i don't want to call it hearing better but got really good at tuning of course yeah but i mean uh, but people are afraid to get started like that's all you have to do well they're afraid to make a mistake right you eat an elephant one bite at a time so like and i don't think you know what i mean i need to say that to people more it's like your job now is to go home and uh, pass or fail. You need to start tuning your pipes mm-hmm. time and time and time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Just tune them. Go. Tune. <laughs> Stop. Tune them again. Do it again. Tune them again. Play, <clears throat> now play a tune. Okay. Before you cut off your pipes and take a drink and watch Oprah, tune them again. Right. Right? Yeah. And just, why don't you tune them one more time before you stop? <laughs> nope, you didn't quite get it right. Okay. One, how about one more time? Yeah. One, one more? One more? One more. Okay. Now you can stop. Yeah. And we'll try again tomorrow. Because you failed. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's what it is, right? <laughs> it's exactly that, yeah. Um, and um, I think as teachers, we screw that up sometimes too. Like we just tune our students' pipes for them. I've made that mistake. I've learned um, the hard way that. And there is a balance there, but we should make sure we make them try five times before we tune it for them, like during a lesson. Because yeah. sometimes you just want to get around to playing, so Correct. you just whip their drones into tune so that you have something workable, which is fine, but like, do let's try five let's times first. Try it. What's the worst question you get from somebody trying to tune your pipes, would you say? What's the worst, um, yeah, I guess question. I don't know. Would you have one in mind? I do. Okay, what is it? Drives me bananas. I can't hear it. I just can't hear it. I I just can't hear it. Yes, that is it. Yeah. (laughs) And then they just stop. Yeah, I just can't hear it. This is stupid. Like, this happened this weekend. I just don't have the ear. I don't have the ear. I'm like, just, okay, you don't need the ear. Follow the process. What's the question? Can you tell if it's better or worse? Yes. Well, then there you go. That's all you need. That's all you need, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it's a hard thing to explain to someone who's looking at you and seeing magic. Correct. You know, because there's all that stuff they don't in the middle believe that you. they don't see. They don't yeah. believe you. They don't believe that what you're doing isn't magic. Right. And that's hard. Yeah. That's why we have a workshop where that's an entire weekend long. And the only thing I am willing to talk about is tuning. Right. Like we're not talking about expression this weekend, like because it takes an entire weekend to even get them to sort of believe you that it's not magic. Correct. Yeah. Um, but, but then <laughs> what people are probably not going to do. What two out of three people that are at the tuning clinic are probably not going to do is go home and start doing it a million times. Right. Yeah. That was one of those questions my father asked me at lunch yesterday was, you spent a whole weekend just tuning? Like, is it really that complicated? I'm like, theoretically, no, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of effort and it's a lot repetition. more complicated. It's a lot more complicated than even most pipers realize it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like most people, as we talk about a lot at the clinic, most people think once you tune your pipes, you're good to go. And it couldn't be further from the truth, right? right. I, think, like, I think you woke some people up, especially right in the beginning about the, it's a journey, not a destination yeah. sort of concept. Right. Like you're always doing it. There must, and I love the other question too. It's like, why do I have to play high A? Because they can't, they're uncomfortable. They yeah. can't reach it and all this. Like, have you ever seen a professional not do it? No. Well then. They probably know something we don't know. Yeah. Like, why don't you give us the benefit of the doubt here? Right. At least for the first 200,000 times you tune your right. pipes and like, let's see, you know, some, there are some holdouts. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know actually, but you know, Chance Bell is a great example. He just loves tuning on D man. Does he? Yeah. He's a great piper. 
and he can really get a great sound. And he's, you know, there are some out there uh-huh. that don't do, don't use high A, but, but high A is definitely industry standard. All right. I'm going to, let's press the stop button because I have to pee really bad. And then, uh, I have to go to the gym. You got to do something valuable with your life. Yeah. Unfortunately. So uh, anyway, that was kind of fun. Way yeah. better than a Channer rant podcast. Eh, well, I guess that'll be determined by the audience. Yeah. <laughs> A lot less swearing and a lot less uh, sex jokes, but whatever. Yeah. But, you know, That's it was true. fun. Well, what's good is once I press stop, we can uh, tell some sex jokes. Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely absolutely. going there. I've been two hours without it. I, I know. Yeah, you're <laughs> freaking out. You're freaking out over here. All can right. I swear? Just one last time. No. <laughs> no, I'm cutting you off. Okay, bye.